Drive Time. Welcome back. Uh, again, we are uh, lucky enough to have uh, Pastor Mac Dwyer with us. Um, if you caught him last time, he, he gave some great principles. But uh, oddly enough, it was a conversation that he and I had after we recorded that last video that's actually leading to this video and actually several videos that will follow this one. Um, so um, if you didn't catch it, we'll put the link uh, in the description so you can go back and watch that original video because it, context matters a little bit. Uh, but this is a great standalone video that you're about to see. And then uh, also, uh, you know, just to point out again, Mac is actually the, uh, the, the vision caster behind these drive time videos. If you've been uh, enjoying them and you happen to run into Mac, you should thank him because uh, without him, uh, quite frankly, none of this probably would have happened. Mac, I'm going to turn it over to you, uh, and uh, uh, I'm excited to hear uh, what you got for us this morning. Yeah, well, uh, after uh, we recorded the last video, we were having a conversation about um, how a lot of the principles and stuff that I had been talking about, was they were actually developed at a time in my life when I, I wasn't um, I, I wasn't in full-time ministry. There was a short portion of my life where I was actually working at a bank, and then I worked for a denomination, actually in a, kind of an office job where I wasn't on staff at a church, um, managing a church planting uh, movement that was happening around the state of Minnesota. And uh, so that most of my time was kind of a nine-to-five job, and then I went back into um, vocational ministry as well. So I was kind of doing a both and so a lot of these principles were things that I had noticed in my life, things that I had developed um, in research and had been using in leadership coaching with leaders from around the state and stuff. And so um, I'd mentioned briefly, I, I think I mentioned in the, in the last uh, conversation, the four uh, principles uh, to, or four pillars to spiritual fulfillment or spiritual growth, which are prayer and engagement with the word and Christ-centered relationship and then uh, uh, mission and ministry or giving out what you've been given. And so I just wanted to go in a little bit of detail and depth. Be, um, and David asked me to do that because of a statement that I had made that I, and I've been in, I've been in ministry uh, in one way or another, often on mostly on for the last 25 years and um, been doing coaching, uh, ministry coaching, leadership coaching, and, and counseling with pastors and, and things like that. And one of the things that I said to, uh, to Dave was, there's never been a pastor or a leader that I have counseled who has imploded in ministry or in life that had been engaging in those four principle, principles actively. So um, where at least one of them, if not all of them, were uh, they had disengaged in those things and um, kind of imploded. And that's really important to, to mention um, because uh, in, whether you're in ministry or whether you're, um, you know, you, whether you're in vocational ministry or uh, a volunteer and you're a leader at work or you're an employee or, or whatever it is, there is this tension that's in our lives. And I talk about tension a lot because I think a lot of our lives is, uh, engaging in and managing tension, and uh, there's a there's a tension in our life between our our vision or where we want to go, and our reality, so or or where we are. So there's this tension between the two, and it's in a constant state of movement. Almost imagine like you have your hands 
uh, like this, right? And there's a rubber band and you're trying to, you're stretching that rubber band out. So there's this tension that's trying to pull things, uh, pull your hands in, in a particular direction. And um, one of two things will happen. Your, your reality will raise up to the vision that you have or your vision will have to be diminished to meet your reality. And that's a really important principle to keep in mind because um, if you want your reality to raise up to your vision, you have to actively, intentionally engage in certain things that will raise you up to where you want to be. This goes with, um, with your spiritual walk as well as business or anything like that. So you have to actively engage in your vision if you want your reality to rise to it. There is no uh, stagnation. There is no in-between. If you stop engaging in your vision, then the tension strength will be on your reality and you will, you will lower your vision to your present reality. And so um, when it comes to business or uh, leadership or our personal life and stuff, and we have vision for that stuff, uh, we kind of set that tone. Hopefully as a believer, you set it in prayer. Um, and stuff, but you set the vision for your ministry, or you set the vision for your business, you set the vision for your family, and, and, and stuff like that. Um, when it comes to our spiritual walk, it's a little bit different. We don't set that, Christ actually sets it. And it's actually Him that's the, the vision. Uh, scripture says that we are working to Christ's likeness. So, so that vision that we have for our spiritual walk is to be more like Christ today than we were yesterday, right? And he's gradually working on us so that we get to uh, we get to full and complete Christ likeness and, and and stuff like that. And that's another conversation for another time and stuff. But that's what we're that's what we're talking about. And so, how do we intentionally engage the vision so that the tension is actually pulling our reality up? And um, statistics show us, and Scripture I think bears this out as well, uh, that there are four main areas in our life that we need to engage in actively and intentionally in order to uh, grow spiritually. Um, and there's a huge study. There was uh, this thing called the Reveal Study years back, a huge, huge study. Tens of thousands of churches were studied and, um, and, and people were talked to and, and, and stuff like that. And then the Purpose Driven Life, there was research done in that as well. Um, and so there's a lot of different studies and and they show that there are, uh, just like we grow in our own uh, kind of physical maturity and stuff like that from infant to toddler to adolescent, young adult and adulthood and stuff, it's kind of the same thing in our spiritual walk where we are these young infants or we are actually seeking Christ or seeking purpose um, and all the way up to Christ-centeredness, um, where Jesus Christ is the central reality of our life and everything revolves around that reality. And as you grow from stage to stage, um, statistically speaking, there are um, principles that we put in place that perpetuate the growth, okay? That when you when you grow in spirituality, it's because it's because certain things are being activated in our lives in our spiritual walk that cause us to grow and mature spiritually and give us a deeper sense of fulfillment, a deeper sense of Christ centeredness. And so we have this vision of Christ likeness and our current reality. And what happens is when we don't engage in those principles that 
um, that propel us from stage to stage, we start to increase the distance between our reality and our vision, right? Our reality, our current reality and Christ likeness. And what happens is that that tension can build up only so much before everything breaks apart and implodes. And when we don't engage actively in these four principles um, for a long enough period of time, the tension gets too great and we see leaders implode, we see families implode, we see um, ministries implode um, because we haven't actively engaged in moving towards the vision. So that's why this is really important. And understand that this is a lot of scientific research, but it also bears itself out in the scripture and in my own personal experiences, I've counseled with pastors and stuff. And so um, that whole thing um, is reflected, I believe, in the statement that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, Paul says, uh, he gives this whole thing about running a marathon and winning the race and getting the prize and stuff. And at the end, he says, um, so I discipline my body and I uh, bring it into submission so that in the end, after I have preached, I will myself not be disqualified from the prize. And so even Paul, who um, is, you know, one of the greatest theologians that we know, one of the greatest missionaries that we, that we know, and he's a champion of the faith and stuff, even he recognizes that there's a tension. And if we don't constantly discipline ourselves, that there would, there's going to be a drift into complacency. And that complacency will then blind us and make our hearts cold and hard and cause us to put ourselves into situations where we could disqualify ourselves. And um, so even Paul recognizes that reality. And so I want to talk about the, uh, those four things that I had previously chatted about um, and kind of go into a little bit more in depth. Now, there's actually 50 of them. There's there or over 50, actually different ways that we can engage intentionally in our spiritual disciplines, but they're all kind of combined into four. Uh, Rick Warren, I think, has, uh, I think, six or five or something like that. So uh, there's, you'll see these in one shape or, or another in different studies and stuff, but I've kind of boiled them down into four, and I call them the four state or the four pillars of spiritual growth. <laughs> and so the first one is a, uh, a daily engagement in in scripture and um now generally speaking an engagement in scripture so if you don't have any engagement in scripture at all i would just recommend at least once a week uh getting into the word of god and engaging with scripture doesn't have to be a huge in-depth study although that might turn the crank for some people we, we're not trying to get to a place where everybody's a theologian or everybody's a, a professor of theology or everybody's a full-time pastor. Uh, one step in the right direction will do, you know, and that's really what the heart behind drive time was, was what, what can we give people to take one step towards the vision? And if we take enough of those one steps, we'll look back at our journey and we'll, um, we'll kind of, or we'll look around and we'll say, you know, wow, we're kind of in the middle of where we wanted to be when we didn't even realize we were getting there. And so, um, so we're just asking for one step closer towards the vision. The vision is a, is a daily, even a multiple times a day, a constant engagement with the word of God, a knowledge and understanding um, where we use the word of God as kind of like a plumb line for how we live our lives. I don't want to be a legalistic, but being engaged in scripture every day um, won't 
save us. Faith in Christ does that. Um, putting our hope and our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, um, making him the Lord of our life. That's what, that's what does that. What, um, what this does is it fosters a culture in our lives that, that helps us become Christ-like. Because um, unlike the people in the first century, we don't have Peter around or Paul around who saw Jesus, right? We don't have um, James, the brother of Jesus, who led the, the Jerusalem church. We don't, we don't have those guys around to give us a firsthand testimony or a firsthand teaching of what Jesus taught or secondhand teaching of what Jesus taught. What we have are the words in Scripture. And so if we're supposed to be Christ-like, then perhaps we should spend some time finding out what Christ was like. And we do that in Scripture. We do that by reading the Gospels. We do that by reading the letters um, that Peter wrote, that, that Paul wrote, that James wrote to churches to apply what they knew about Jesus to the circumstances in those churches. And so, um, and, and we even have Paul who actually wasn't talking about his letters and stuff. He was actually talking about the Old Testament when he wrote to Timothy saying that, in 2 Timothy, saying that all scripture is, is God-breathed, right? And is, is useful for edification and um, for correction and rebuke and all of those, and all of those things. So we have this, we have the Old Testament telling us or showing us the character of God and the New Testament, what I like to say, showing us the heart of God. Um, so you have the character of God in the culture that he was creating in his people and really his story of redemption uh, for all mankind. And then we have that um, kind of uh, paramounted or, and, and climax in the, the ministry and person of Jesus Christ who demonstrated the heart of God and, and the coming of the, of the kingdom of God. And, and so we look at scriptures to see what, what God expects of us. And then we look to scripture to also see um, the, the character and ministry of the one that we're supposed to follow. And um, it's, it's really important for us to engage in scripture. And it's number one on my list because um, in the studies that I was talking about earlier, it is actually the only spiritual discipline in all of the stages of life that, are, that comes up either number one or number two in importance. So if you engage daily with scripture, you are more likely to grow in Christ-likeness and feel fulfilled in your spiritual journey. You might be lacking in other areas, even though they're important and are necessary to propel you along. But if, if, you, are, if you make scripture engagement a priority in your life, you are more likely to grow in Christ, to feel spiritually fulfilled, and ultimately to be Christ-centered in your life. Um, the second one is prayer. Um, the way that I put this is uh, prayer. You, you can't give uh, when you haven't been filled. So you can't pour out when you haven't been filled up. And the infilling, now we are filled with the Holy Spirit, but there is a consistent, in the Greek, there is a consistent present filling that needs to consistently happen that only happens through continual communion with God. And um, so what I say is we, um, we, we learn about the character of God 
or we learn about what we're supposed to do by reading scripture, we are empowered. So we are informed by scripture, but we are empowered by prayer. And so, um, so hand in hand with the scriptures, we need to be in, in constant communion with God to empower us to apply what we've learned in the scriptures to our life. Um, God called you to know him and to make him known. You cannot do that unless you are engaged with his presence. It will not happen. So you have to be engaged with the scriptures, being informed of who God is, and then you have to be engaged daily in prayer, being empowered to be an example of Christ um, on this earth. And so um, we see uh, Jesus says in, in John chapter 5, verse 19, um, he essentially says this. He says, um, I do nothing apart from what I see the Father doing, right? I say nothing apart from what I hear the Father saying. So it's this constant communion that he has where his steps are ordered by his communion with the Father. Now, if Jesus, who was the begotten Son of God, who was perfect, all man, all God, found it necessary to, as the Bible says, have it a custom of his to go away by himself and spend time with the father how much more do we think we need to do that right last time i checked i'm not perfect the perfect one felt it that he needed to be in communion with the father and so we need to be in communion uh, with the godhead namely through um through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and, and praying to God and, and having in that interaction of our worship to him and his, um, and his that uh, the transaction of him filling us and, 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 and stuff, that's how he empowers us to do what he's called us to do. And so we have to have a daily engagement in scripture to inform us, and we have to have a daily engagement in prayer to empower us. It's, in, it's incredibly important. And all along the spiritual growth, this is why this is important, all along the spiritual growth, certain things are, um, are more important, like I said before, to propel you from stage to stage. Prayer and scripture engagement are always on the top of the list. If you disengage with scripture and you disengage with prayer, it is almost guaranteed as a believer in Jesus Christ that you will implode. Almost guaranteed. Now, it doesn't guarantee that you won't because you, you can pray and you can be engaged in Scripture, but if you don't have Christ-centered relationship, chances are you're going to be pulled down or you're going to isolate yourself and not be of use to God. You can um, you can be in daily prayer and, and Scripture reading and not be engaged in mission, and you won't actually be exemplifying the heart of God because you aren't on mission with God and stuff, and that's uh, we'll get to that in a second. But those two things inform the next two things that I'm talking about. And the next two things that I talk about, uh, so the first two things is our, it's our vertical engagement, our engagement with God, right? The next two things are our engagement with people. So we, we kind of see a correlation with scripture, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. The first two things line us up. The next two things um, send us out. And so the first one <coughs> is Christ-centered relationships. And it, it is so essential to the walk of a believer. We were never uh, meant to live this life in isolation. It was always meant to be lived out in the context of community. Um, when 
I, I, when I was growing up in the faith, what we heard a lot was all you need is Jesus. Man, all you need is Jesus. That's not true. That's actually not what scripture says. Because God in his infinite wisdom said, yes, you need Jesus in order to be saved, but you need community in order to live out salvation. Um, we are shown time and time and time and time again uh, in Paul's letters, in, uh, in Peter's letters, and, and everywhere else in the New Testament, that the church is not one person, although one person does, uh, is a part of the church. The church is the community of those believers engaging in unity for the purpose of God. And so how we live out our salvation is shown primarily in Scripture in the context of how we live out our faith in community. Not only with other believers, but with outside those outside of the faith. And so... Uh, even the spiritual gifts that we've been given, and I've, I don't know if I said this last time when I was talking about this, I've said it so many times, even the spiritual gifts that God has given each one of us, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians tells us that God gives, and Ephesians does as well, um, uh, and, and Paul says it a lot of different places actually, but even the spiritual gifts that God gives us are not meant to be enjoyed on our own. They're actually given to us for the sake of the body of Christ. So God, so if you have a, a spiritual gift of discernment, if you have the spiritual gift of hospitality, you have the spiritual gift of prophecy, all of those things that the Bible says each one of us have been given. We've each been given a spiritual gift by God to be used not for ourselves and our own edification, but for others in the body of Christ. So even the gifts that you've been given are to be used in the context of community. We also know that while we receive forgiveness and redemption through Jesus Christ, we actually receive healing through community. We see this actually, uh, scripture tells us that um, to confess our sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Uh, that conjunction is incredibly important. We have, we go to Jesus for forgiveness, ultimately for redemption, right? We, to, to reckon, be reconciled with the Father. But healing, spiritually speaking, and to be healed from um, habitual sin and all of those things, healing happens when we confess our sins one to another and pray for one another. Well, if you're not in community, you can't do that. So you got a lot of people walking around who are forgiven and yet not healed. And you need both. You need community. And here's, and here's what's really critical, too. Um, what happens when we sin? So let's say we're not in the scriptures. Let's say we're not praying. Let's say we've allowed things to creep into our life and we fall, we implode, and we sin, right? We ask, we go to God for forgiveness, which is what we're, we're, which is what we're supposed to do. And yet we still, we, we still feel the shame. Um, and guilt and, and condemnation in our life. And so what every person does that, at least that I've ever met, when they sin and, and the first reaction to sin is shame, they turn inward, right? And they isolate themselves because they they're afraid. They don't want anybody to know that they've sinned. They don't want anybody to know they've done something wrong. And so they isolate themselves. But get this, nobody's there to speak 
grace into their life. That's why Paul says um, in 2 Corinthians that those who are mature in the faith, I think it's 2 Corinthians, those who are mature in the faith to restore the person who's fallen gently. And so it's the response that what we find in community is um, we, we, we demonstrate the grace of God, the healing of God, and the reconciliation of God in moments when it's very hard to recognize it on our own. And God in his infinite wisdom understands that we need that connection. We need to be connected with him, but we also need to be connected to each other. And so our faith is meant to live out in Christ-centered community, meaning not that you go to a small group. That's one way that we foster it but that you do life with people who are on that same vision that you are uh, to, to be Christ-like, so that you are doing life with people who also want to be like Jesus, who can speak grace into your life, and you can speak grace into their life. And when you've fallen, they can restore you. And when they fall, you can restore them. When you sin, you can confess to them. And with the grace and the love and the compassion of God, they can pray for you, and you will be healed. And the same thing with them. All of that, according to Scripture, is enacted in the context of the community of believers. And it's incredibly important, but what we've done is we have said, we don't need that. We don't need other people. We just need Jesus because he'll forgive us. And then we walk around broken. What we need, especially in the world today, when everybody is so filled with division and hurt and hate and all of this stuff, we need people who can come together and exemplify what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to, to allow people uh, the space to have their own journey and we can still love them. We can still have grace on them. While we might not affirm the decisions that they're making in their life, we can give our lives to help them make better decisions. And so it's meant to be lived out in community, not just going to a Bible study, although we should do that and it fosters those relationships, but literally letting somebody into your life. It's incredibly important. Letting somebody who is not a spouse and and relative and stuff, walk your journey of faith with you. Because I guarantee you, you are not strong enough to do it by yourself. You are not strong enough to do it by yourself. We see it so many times in scripture. Uh, so that's the fourth thing. The fifth thing is uh, what I call mission and ministry. Uh, giving out what you've been given. I know I explained this the last time, but um, I believe every person has a ministry in the church and a mission in the world. Um, like I said before, we all have been given spiritual gifts for the context of ministering in the church. All right. Well, I've got, you know, I say, well, I've got a ministry, but it's not in the church. It's on the street. No, you have a ministry in the church. You have a ministry in the church. Every person who is a believer in Jesus was given a spiritual gift to be used in the church for other believers, every person. Okay. But we also, each one of us, have a mission in the world. It's Matthew 28, right? Go into all the world. So all of that stuff where we have, uh, we're supposed to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Um, that is a command to each one of us. We are disciples of Jesus. It was his command to us 
So disciples do, they follow the command of their master. It is his command to us to make disciples. That is our mission in the world. Jesus Christ was sent on mission by God, into, by the Father, into the world, right? Um, to, to reconcile the world back to God. Um, and we have been given that same message or mission of reconciliation. That's what Paul says to us in 2 Corinthians. So every person has a mission in the world and a ministry in the church. Um, and, and so what we have been given, the grace and the community that we have been given, we are charged by God, commanded by Jesus himself and by the Holy Spirit through Paul in his writing, that we are to engage in mission in the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples, right? And it's the making disciples, which is actually the, uh, the command in that passage of scripture. Um, make disciples is actually the command that Jesus gives. So the way that it's reading is, Go and make disciples by teaching them, by baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And so our command to each person is to make disciples. And then Paul shares with us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God gives each one of us a spiritual gift to be used in ministry for the body of Christ. And so um, those four things, um, I believe, are, are absolutely essential. And just to reiterate, the first two personal engagement or daily engagement with scripture and daily engagement in prayer are absolutely essential if we want to grow in Christ. You can be engaged on mission. You can do a lot of things for God and still not know him. You can know a lot of believers in Jesus Christ and still not know Jesus. But if you are engaged daily in scripture and you are engaged daily in prayer, you will, you will be informed about the character of God and empowered to enact the character of God in your mission and ministry and in your Christ-centered relationships. And those four things, those four things we see consistently. I remember I said there were 50 originally. But those four things are in are necessary engagement points or disciplines that propel a person from one stage of spiritual growth to the next. And so back to the example of the rubber band. So we have a vision of Christ likeness and we have our reality. When we don't engage daily in those principles, we're expanding the distance between uh, the vision and the reality. When we engage daily, we actually are pulling the reality up to the vision, which has already been set for us. We're pulling that up so that that tension isn't there as much. And the goal is to bring our reality in line with Christ's likeness or what I like to call Christ-centeredness, where Jesus Christ is the central reality of our life and everything we do in our life is informed by that center. And so that that's a bit of those four principles um, or those four uh, pillars of spiritual growth um, all have to be intentionally um, engaged with. Uh, if you don't, uh, what will happen, and we see this statistically, scientifically, we see that um, it takes, uh, what, 21 days, I think, to develop a habit in, in our life. But it only, it only takes a handful of days um, to break that habit. 
And so if we are not actively engaged by creating those discipline or by engaging those disciplines in our life, we will fall away. We see this with church going. Um, people say, well, I, you know, I, we didn't have church this day and this day. And we are actually seeing this right now um, where there are some people, not everybody, because I understand that with COVID and stuff like that, people are, are truly afraid. Um, or concerned at least with their health or with the health of other people and and we don't we 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 don't want to um we don't want to invalidate that reality we, we completely understand that but there are people that i have talked to who said you know what i just got used to not coming and I, well are you afraid well no i'm not afraid i'm not even really concerned it's just we we just got kind of get used to not coming and it's hard for us to get back into that rhythm and i've seen that for the over 25 years of ministry so many times where people who break the habit of engaging with believers and it's really really important to do that to engage with believers um to worship together and stuff like that i really can't emphasize that enough Boy, if you can get to church and and um and stuff i, I really i highly recommend it um but to engage somehow in christ-centered relationship is incredibly important um but uh yeah, so those those four things um, are um, essential if you want to grow in your in your walk with Christ. If you want to relinquish a little bit or release a little bit of that tension, and um, uh, kind of create a um, a situation in your life where you are less likely um, to fall away or to implode. Like I said, those four things don't guarantee they won't they won't guarantee spiritual growth. They won't guarantee um, spiritual fulfillment. Um, but um, they do statistically speaking and scripturally speaking, in my opinion, um, they do increase the odds significantly. And uh, so I highly, I highly recommend that. So if you're, if you're not engaged in scripture, um, you know, if you're, if you're not reading the word and it's, and it's really simple. So I, Right now, I just want to take a couple minutes, and we can put this on a separate thing or, or whatever, um, but show you a couple of things that helped me. One of the things that helped me with my daily walk in prayer and with reading the Word of God um, is uh, SOAP, S-O-A-P. And I've talked, I talked about this, um, I believe, on my men's breakfast, the virtual men's breakfast that I did. Um, and so you can go back and you can take a look at that. But SOAP simply means scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And so I'm going through a Bible study, essentially, by a guy named Tom Wright um, on the book of Acts. It's a two-part series. Um, it's, and it's not like a chapter a day, even. Uh, I'm a big proponent of, um, instead of reading to get it done, read to, to apply it to your life. And so I do that in little chunks, in little chunks and little segments and stuff. And so I'm reading through his study on the book of Acts, um, which is kind of a devotional and commentary and um Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, um, so I'm reading through Acts, and I actually, um, I for those of you who don't know, I'm the executive director of the Southwest Florida Leadership College, and so one of the things that we're going to be working with our students on is having is this reality of having a daily engagement with Scripture and a daily engagement in prayer, and we got them this uh, journal here. Uh, it's called the Scribe Journal. Um, I'll send uh, Dave the link and stuff like that. Um, but uh, it walks through soap with you. So there, there are these pages, right? And it's scripture, observation. So you say it says scripture, observation or in, and interpretation and application and then prayer. So uh, soap. And you just write that out. 
Um, doesn't have to be super long, but you'll write that out. And then you actually have a date, you have a nightly recap where you write out um, a scripture memory verse that they give you. You don't have to pick one. They give it to you because they say after seven days of writing it out every day, you should be able to memorize it. So it's, um, it's actually pretty easy. And then what you're thankful for, because it's great to end the day with gratitude. Um, and so it's actually science. It's a, it's based on sci a scientific study on um, applying habits and, and things like that. But uh, it's a great, great journal. Um, I think it's around 30 bucks or something. It lasts three months. Um, so that's one. Another one that's actually cheaper is um, this Life Journal, which is actually uh, was created by the guy who created Soap, which is Wayne Kadera out in Hawaii. Um, Wayne uh, created the, that um, scripture observation application of prayer. And so he has, he has a Soap Journal, or what they call a Life Journal. It comes with um, a scripture reading plan. I don't use them. I have the own, my own plans that I use. Like I said, I'm going through the book of Acts and stuff. Um, but those are two great resources because if you're anything like me, <coughs> I have a lot to do in my life and I get a little scatterbrained and stuff, which is why I'm grateful that God uh, gave me an incredible executive assistant and who kind of keeps my life in order and stuff. But um, this helps me structure my Bible study. Um, and in a time when um, I got really overwhelmed with what I was going to do in studying scripture, this broke it down for me and gave me a step-by-step -step process. And so if you're like that and you're paralyzed from taking a journey because you don't know how many steps you have to take or you can't break it down, that's what these things do. And so uh, both of these things, so the, the scribe journal and then the life journal, both of them are absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm walking through the scribe journal because I don't like asking my students to do things that I'm not willing to do. And so I'm using that and hopefully going to give them a review um, about it. But if you do those things consistently, guys, for 21 days, scientifically speaking, you will create a new habit, a new discipline in your life by engaging in the word, engaging in prayer, engaging daily in Christ-centered relationship. Um, even if that's just a phone call with somebody that you know that's a believer that can that you can walk things through or you can just say hi and see how they're doing, right? Um, and then giving out what you've been giving. So testifying to the goodness of God in your life. It can be as simple as saying, this is what God did for me today. Man, God's amazing. Or, hey, you know, if you're going, if you know somebody, as we all do right now, that's going through a lot of stuff, praying for them. Um, so there, there's a lot of different ways that we can engage in these four principles on a regular basis. But it's, I believe, absolutely essential if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to daily engage with, with Scripture, as he did. And we need to daily engage in prayer, as he did. And um, I, I'm, I'm telling you, you will be amazed at what God does um, in that process. So all of those things don't make God love you more. All of those things don't save you. But what they do is it helps you recognize the love of God that you already have received or that he's already given you. And it also helps you to engage in his love and his grace and his compassion, not only for yourself, but for other people. So um, I highly encourage you today to find one of those areas that you can engage with in a deeper level today than you did yesterday, and then see what God does in that process. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a lot of really good information. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, so I... Normally, you know, I like to wrap up with the, hey, what's the thing we do this week? But you kind of gave us four things to do this week. Um, 
I'd like to encourage you guys who are watching that, you know, if, if this is your first step uh, in say taking uh, a daily moment to pray, um, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be long and drawn out and the right thing to say. Uh, God already knows what's in your heart. He already knows what's in your head. He knows what's stressing you out. Just uh, take a minute and share it with them. Uh, I think you'd, really be uh, surprised at how much of an impact that's going to make in your daily life. Uh, to build on uh, Mac's statement about soap, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, we actually have a men's soap group that meets via email. Um, we have Ben Garcia leads that. Uh, it's an ongoing group that operates even beyond the semesters. So if you're interested in soap, there's a group that you can jump in today uh, by signing up for that group and learning more about soap and the process and, and seeing how that can change you. Um, but uh, Mac, as always, um, we appreciate your time. We appreciate uh, your experience and, and, and it's a, a blessing to have you on here again. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, gentlemen, we will see you back next week. Uh, with another speaker and another topic. Have a great week, guys.